Coming up, the D-backs future is looking bright. Tori Lovello got himself a contract extension. What does that mean? And Corbin Carroll's debut. And should the D-backs be considered in the wild card hunt? Discussing all that on today's podcast. <laughs> Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Lockdown Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Today's podcast, I want to talk a whole bunch about different D-backs news and stuff like that. And of course, I first want to start here because at the time you guys are listening to this podcast, it's going to be Wednesday morning. I'm recording this before the D-backs Tuesday game, but I want to talk about the D-backs first game of the series against the Philadelphia Phillies because I went to Corbin Carroll's debut. And guess what, guys? I'm going to the Tuesday game as well. So that's why I'm recording this pod earlier in the day because I would record this after Tuesday's game, at least the, the first part of the podcast but I want to go to the game I want to enjoy it I'm not trying to stay up late so we're going to record this right now and I want to talk about that first game of the series because of course we saw the debut of Corbin Carroll the number three prospect in all baseball according to MLB.com one of the best prospect in baseball hands down five tool player power speed average contact defense arm whatever it is Corbin Carroll's probably a plus-plus in that metric, and watching him make his debut for the D-backs, I mean, being in that crowd, it was exhilarating. You could tell the crowd was super anxious and excited for Corbin Carroll's debut, as I'm sure Corbin Carroll was, because for us D-backs fans, like, we kind of need Corbin Carroll to work out. For the D-backs to ever get out of the mud and get back into the postseason race, it seems like they're not going to be able to do it through free agency and trades because those two avenues haven't really worked out for the D-backs. The strongest D-backs avenue that they have right now is internal player development, and they've done a pretty decent job at doing that, at least from a position player standpoint. I think they've done a solid job of doing that from the Ketel Martes to the Josh Rojas's. I mean, Dalton, Dalton Varsho has been a pretty good major leaguer as well. So I think from a player development standpoint, the D-backs have done a pretty good job in that area. And Corbin Carroll is another case study for how good the D-backs are at developing their players because this guy is expected to be a franchise superstar, multi-time all-star player, right? But if he doesn't live up to that ceiling, then it's only going to push the D-backs chances of moving to the postseason just further down the line. It's only going to reset this organization. And if Gordon Carroll doesn't work out, guess what? Then guys like Mike Hazen and Toy Lovello, they might not be coming back. Their future with the team will probably be cut short because you need guys like Corbin Carroll. You need your top prospects to, you know, you, you 
put so many eggs in a prospect basket. You 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 usually use prospects to sell hope to your fans. That's what prospects are. They're hope for fans, for front offices, they're assets for either trade pieces or like I just said, hope for fans. It keeps the fans off your back a little bit longer if you're a front office because you say, guess what? We're rebuilding right now. We have a lot of young, great talent in our farm system and you're just going to have to wait two to four years before we see that talent materialize and we become good again. That's why a lot of these front offices spend three to seven years in the front office as GMs and their teams usually suck because they just keep selling hope. They keep saying, just wait. Wait another season. Wait another two seasons. We'll be right there. We're going to make the moves. And they either don't make the moves or the players that they think are going to be good don't develop. So for the D-backs, the free agency period hasn't been great. When we look at signings like Madison Bumgarner, all those back-end relievers that always struggle. When we look at the D-backs through trades, the Paul Goldschmidt trade, the uh, the I was trying to think of the other big trade that the D-backs made. Oh, the Zach Granke trade. It's like the D-backs haven't crushed trading as well. So the area... For this team to get better that they need a crush is player development. And that all starts with Corbin Carroll, the first of three super heralded prospects that should come through the D-backs system and organization year after year. Corbin Carroll this year, hopefully Jordan Lawler next year, and then maybe the Drew Jones after that. So right now, the front office is selling to us D-backs fans that the future is bright. And three years from now, the D-backs should have one of the best lineups in baseball. But if I look at the future right now, the future is not only going to be bright tomorrow. The future is pretty bright right now because you look at that first game against the Phillies and you just had young guy after young guy go off in that game. I mean, Carson Kelly was two for four at four RBIs. Corbin Carroll, the heralded prospect, got his first major league hit with a tie-tie, not a tie-tie ball game, a 7-7 tie ball game. And that was a nip and tuck ball game. Not actually nip and tuck because the Phillies jumped out to that 7-0 lead and the D-backs came storming back. But it was Corbin Carroll, the top prospect, one of the top prospects in all baseball without any major league experience, strolled up to the plate all the confidence in the world and he was able to go the other way into the alley and it was just such a clean crisp executed play and it just makes you really excited for Corbin's future because one it was a high leverage runners in scoring position kind of play um runners on tie game against the Phillies who were up seven nothing in the ball game who were fighting for playoff positioning like that was a big at bat for Corbin Carroll and not only did he deliver he delivered with an opposite field he didn't just clutch it up or he didn't just choke up on his bat and just pull it down the line no he took what the pitcher gave him and he went the other way with it smooth and just found that clean alley where there was absolutely no outfielders out there the future is looking bright for the D-backs and it wasn't just Corbin Carroll because the first game of the series was just a great glimpse into the future and the right now because we saw Corbin Carroll we also saw Stone Garrett get two hits, including a home run. I really like what I'm seeing from Stone Garrett. Jake McCarthy got an RBI and a run scored as he normally does. Emmanuel Rivera looks solid. Josh Rojas, he went 0 for 4, but he's looking pretty good since the All-Star break. So just watching Corbin Carroll's debut into this D-backs team in the second half, like the future is bright for the D-backs, but the future is also right now. And for this D-backs team, all the eggs right now are in the farm system we need these players that are coming up through the farm system to produce. And you need more than just Corbin Carroll and the Jordan Lawlers and the Drew Jones to come through for you in your lineup and to hit those ceilings. Because guess what? To make an NFL comparison, you need more than just an offense to win games, right? I'm a huge New Orleans Saints football fan. And growing up in the early 2000s, there was a three-year span where the Saints went 7-9, and 
seven and nine, seven and nine. And guess what? I told everyone it's not Drew Brees' fault because during those years, Drew Brees was throwing over 5,000 yards, leading the league in passing yards every season, top two in passing touchdowns, led the league in completion percentage every season. He was basically the triple crown winner of quarterbacks every single season, but his team was missing the postseason every year. You know why? Because it didn't matter how good the Saints offense was, they didn't have a defense to complement it. And for the D-backs to bring it back to baseball, I think they could have one of the best lineups in baseball in three years once we have Corbin Carroll, Lawler, and Drew Jones on the major league level. But the issue for me, the hesitancy I have with the D-backs future, um, turning into World Series aspirations is still the pitching for the D-backs because we haven't done a great job of calling up minor league pitchers that have turned into really good uh, performance for the D-backs. Like you look at the Kevin Ginkles, Alex Youngs, Taylor Clarks, like the list goes on and on. And Zach Allen has been great for the D-backs, but we acquired him in a trade from the Marlins. And when you think of other D-backs pitchers, like Tommy Henry has looked pretty good so far. I like his future, but there's been a ton of other guys, the Humberto Castellanos, the Tyler Gilberts, the Luis Frias. Like we're still waiting on someone else from the minor league system to pop. I think a Brandon Fat could be that guy, but we haven't seen him yet on the major league level. So for the D-backs, they're putting a lot of their hopes and aspirations in the farm system i think it's smart move from the lineup perspective because i think a lot of those lineup guys will end up hitting their ceiling if two of three of lawler drew jones and corbin carroll hit their ceiling then that's a win but it's really the pitching perspective where i have my hesitancies and the d-backs really have to do a good job making sure they develop their pitchers over the next couple years because that could be the area that holds back this team if they have world series aspirations now we're going to talk about Tory Lovello's contract extension and whether we think that's a good deal for the D-backs and whether Tory Lovello could lead the D-backs to the postseason in 2023. But if you want to bet on the D-backs making the postseason next year, you need to head to betonline.net because it's your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Now, I want to talk about something that might be something that I don't totally agree with myself. I got to take that. I don't totally agree with myself. I need to get it off my chest. I want to discuss it with you guys. Then you could come on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 or the show account Locked on Dimebacks and tell me if you guys think I'm crazy because I was scrolling through Twitter earlier today just on my timeline board at work and I saw a tweet by MLB Network. It was the teams still in the wild card hunt. They had, you know, your Padres, the Phillies, the Braves showing the teams actually already solidified with postseason spots. And they showed teams in the hunt, right? You had the Brewers right there. But after the Brewers, I was like, that should be the end of the list, right? Like the Brewers are like a couple games back. There's really no one else in the mix. And then I saw also in the hunt the San Francisco Giants. I was like, wait, let me check the standings real quick. Where are the Giants? Where, what's their record? Where are they in the wild card race? Whoa, San Francisco Giants, eight and a half games back of the wild card spot, but yet MLB Network still says they're in the hunt. And I just scroll down a little bit on those wild card standings and I see 
Wait a minute, the Arizona Diamondbacks? Just one game back of the San Francisco Giants? And now, I gotta ask the question, if the Giants at eight and a half games back of the wildcard race are still considered in the wildcard hunt, then shouldn't the D-backs only a game back of the San Francisco Giants also be considered in the wildcard hunt? Whoa, 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 I know, controversial take. You guys don't believe it. I don't totally believe it myself, but let me tell you guys why I think the D-backs could potentially still be considered in the hunt. I'm not saying they're going to make the postseason or anything or anything like that, but my overall point is, more so, if the Giants should be considered in the hunt, then so should the D-backs. I don't think either team is sniffing the postseason. So it's really not a take about the D-backs being good enough to make the postseason. It's about the D-backs being good enough to be on the San Francisco Giants level. And if you're going to consider the Giants a wild card contender, then you have to consider the D-backs a wild card contender too. Because we've talked about the D-backs um, in their second half of the season so far and how good they've been. Because once again, the D-backs... 20 and 15 in the second half of the season they have scored 175 runs and only allowed 136 so you guys could do that math let me see 46 56 66 76 would be 40 so take one away for 175 so they have a plus 39 run differential in the second half and it's been a huge uh, a big critical piece as to why they're Record has been so good in the second half. One is because of their pitching. I mean, you look at their starting pitchers. If basically, if you took, if you take Madison Bumgarner out this rotation in the second half, like I actually haven't done the math, but I feel like in my head the D-backs have like what a, a three-two ERA in the second half among their starting pitchers without Madison Bumgarner. Like it might be like a two-point-two, honestly, if you think about it, because Zach Allen hasn't given up a run in like five straight starts. Merrill Kelly's going seven innings and two to three earned runs basically every start he has Tommy Henry's like a one to two earn run guy even Zach Davies is like a two to three earn run guy as well so when I think about this rotation in the second half like outside of massive Bumgarner it has been absolutely electric in the second half the starters have been absolutely insane and um it, you don't even get the full story but if you just want to see the first half ERA by the starters four three five the second half ERA by the starters three three four five three four five so think about that it's a three four five year in the second half with Madison Bumgarner I think in either six of his last seven or seven of his last eight has given up at least like four to five earned runs like Madison Bumgarner has gotten crushed the entire post all-star break and it's gotten so bad that Toy Lovello has pushed back his start twice in the month of August to give him some extra rest days despite it not really helping his arm fatigue at all so the first major reason as to why this D-backs team looks so good in the second half of the season is because of that starting rotation. They have been absolutely dominant. The bullpen has been a little bit better as well, but I wouldn't consider them a major piece as to why the D-backs are so good in the second half. And then the second reason, I would say, is just there's just been so many extra players stepping up in the second half. Like a Christian Walker has been absolutely phenomenal in the second half of the season. Guys like Josh Rojas have been really good. Jake McCarthy's batting like 350 with like 1,100 OPS in the second half of the season. And overall, the numbers from the offense in the second half are up 223 average to 246 average so up like 20 points OPS went from 685 to 719 so overall the numbers are better from the D-backs from a per game standpoint and 
I think when I watch the offense, we're just getting those sequencing of hits more. We're building innings. We're putting crooked numbers on the board because before, more in the first half, it would be like, all right, if we could get one or two guys, one or two guys on the bases, there will probably be someone coming up that could hit a home run, like Christian Walker or someone like that. The D-backs' offense in the first half felt a little bit more home de- home run dependent because they were smacking a lot of home runs, and it felt like they weren't getting a ton of run scoring opportunities and. Uh, or at least they weren't converting a ton of run scoring opportunities. They would just convert a couple per game that would just be enough to get them over the hump because it did feel like pitching for most of the season has been the reason why the D-backs have been able to stay in games. But in the second half, your pitching has gotten even better. And now you're getting those innings where you're getting together four to five hits in a row. The D-backs are finally stringing together hits and putting together big innings that way. And just not one guy getting on base and then you hit a big bomb. Or how many games this season have we seen where the D-backs literally hit maybe two two, three, four, or even five solo shots. Like D-backs, so many games they've won this year just on the mere fact that they hit three solo home runs and they win three to two. But so far in the second half, they're getting games where they put up seven runs, where they get a four-run inning where, you know, you get through the whole lineup basically in one inning. And yeah, you get a couple strikeouts, you get a couple walks, but no one's putting together bad plate appearances. You're getting pretty good, strong plate appearances from across your lineup. Guys are striking out way less in the second half, walking a lot more, and it's leading to just more guys getting on base, more guys trusting each other, and then other guys bringing those guys home with either runs, or not runs, but with like base hits, singles, doubles, gappers. Like It's not just home runs. It's guys executing, moving guys over, maybe one base, guys taking extra bases, and then just perfect execution by the person at the home plate whoever the batter is at the game. So I really like the D-backs execution the second half of the season. And it makes me wonder whether the D-backs could be considered in that wild card hunt. Because when you look at the D-backs schedule, we went through this back when I did my podcast of does the road to the playoffs go through Arizona? Like, yeah, it kind of does. Because what we've seen so far is the D-backs play a lot of wild card teams. And if they want to get back in the wild card mix, the D-backs do kind of control their own destiny just because think about who the D-backs play next. They're playing the Phillies right now now who own the number one wildcard spot next they play the Milwaukee Brewers who are the first team on the outside looking in after the Brewers they play the Padres who are fighting for that third wildcard spot currently own it after that Rockies and eh, Dodgers probably kill us but then you play the Padres again again right there for the taking for the wildcard mix then you play the Dodgers that's going to be tough you play the Giants so we'll have a chance to pass the Giants in the NL West standings by the time we play them um for the second to last time this year, then after the Giants, you play the Astros. Uh, that would be tough. And then you play the Giants again to really give them that dagger and send them to third place in the NOS, or excuse me, fourth place in the NOS. And then to end this season, we're going to be playing the Brewers again, and that could be the series for that final wild card spot. You never know. So when you look at the D-back series the rest of the year, Phillies, Brewers, Padres twice, Giants, and then the Brewers again, like you have at least seven more series against opponents directly in that playoff mix directly in that wild card race and it could get pretty wacky for the d-backs i think it would take a miracle a lot of things have to go right for the d-backs to get back in the wild card hunt but hey my overall point is if we consider the d-backs or excuse me if we consider the giants a team in the wild card hunt at eight and a half games back then the d-backs only one game behind the giants should also be considered in the wild card hunt The 
that we got my D-backs should be considered in a wildcard hunt take out the way. Let's talk about Tori Lovello and this contract extension because Tori Lovello got a one-year deal added to his current contract. And Tori Lovello is someone I talked about about uh, he's someone I've talked about a bunch on this podcast, and we've debated, should Tori Lavelle come back next season? Should the D-backs go in another direction? And I've always been more leaning toward the side of, let's go in a different direction. I think a lot of people, they say, let's keep Tori Lavello out of lack of options, let's say. I think a lot of people would say, let's keep Tori Lavelle because there's not much better out there. The grass isn't always greener, and that could be true. You know, my my... You know, the, the hesitancies I have with Tori Lovello could be overstated. You never know. And maybe the grass isn't greener. And if we tried to move to a different manager, maybe it would be even worse for the D-backs. But was it a good decision to give Tori Lovello a one-year contract extension? Look, I'm not the biggest Tori Lovello fan, but I don't hate the guy. I'm not going to be mad that he's come back for another season. And it's another one-year kind of prove-it year where you say, okay, the D-backs had a great second half. We're going to have more talent on the team next season. Mike Hazen presumably should make a move or two in the offseason. Like, all right, next season, Toy Lovello, either you improve this team a little bit more, you get us to 85 wins, and we keep you another season, give you another one-year deal, maybe a two-year deal, or the D-backs, after this impressive second half, go back to their old ways and look terrible again in 2023. If that's the case, then Tori Lovello is probably not coming back for 2024. But some major reasons why I do think he's coming back for 2023 is, one, the D-backs are playing well in the second half, right? We discussed it. This D-backs team was, what, 15 games under 500 in the first half? I don't even know. I mean, I could look up their um, first half record right now, actually. The D-backs were 40 and 52 in the first half, right? 12 games under 500 and about 50 runs uh, about negative 50 run differential as well. Well, in the second half, D-backs five games above 500, about plus 39 run differential. So first check mark for Toy Lovello. You're playing way better post All-Star break. You're giving fans a little hope, giving us a little, you know, making us look ahead to 2023 and say, ooh, look at our lineup right now. Is that lineup good enough to maybe make a postseason next year? So Toy Lovello is right now playing mind games with the fans and having us think, hey, maybe this D-backs team isn't as bad as what we thought in the first half and what we see right now is the real product and all we had to do was just play our young guys who are better players anyway than the veterans. So now that we have our young guys on the roster, give them another season next year for us to make the postseason and all will be good. So Toy Lovello playing the mind games with the fans right now. So that's the first check mark as to why Toy Lovello is coming back because of course, post All-Star break, recency bias, He's playing well in the second half. Team's playing well in the second half. Contract extension. The other reason is not only is the team playing well in the second half, it's the young guys playing well in the second half, right? How many young guys did we mention in segment number one that were playing really well for Tori Lovello and this D-backs team? I'm trying to just pull up the D-backs uh, roster real quick so I could just go through so I could go through it with y'all because look at all these young guys. Look, Carson Kelly's not having a great season, but since coming back from injury, he's been much improved. Guys like Geraldo Perdomo, eh, he's been all right this season, needs to be better offensively. But Josh Rojas, right, huge strides offensively this season in terms of development. He's been great. He's turned into a base dealer. That's a plus for Toy Lovello. He's looked great in the second half. Someone like Dalton Varsho starting to pick it up in the second half a little bit as well. But really, the big guys are like Jake McCarthy. He's looked phenomenal in the second half of the season. Emmanuel Rivera, he's looked really good since being acquired from the Kansas City Royals. Um, Who's the other guy? Stone Garrett has looked pretty good on the major league level as well. And then... 
when you look at all those guys um, performing well in the second half, that bodes well for your Tori Lovello because you want the young guys to perform well. That's the future right there. And if the future isn't looking good, then guess what? The president's not going to be looking right for Tori Lovello. So the fact that he's getting the young guys who the fact that he's getting the young guys to perform well and you know look like they're on the right track in terms of the in terms of their development I think that's a real positive because player development it's a big issue I have with Toy Lovello I still think the jury's out on how good he is as a player development coach maybe from a position player perspective he's not too bad because Keto Martes the Josh Rojas's the Dalton Varshows like he turns guys into major league players it's always been more of a pitching side where I have my biggest hesitancies but now Another season of Brent Strom, maybe Toy Lovello handles the position players, Brent Strom handles the pitchers, and together they're simpatico, and they lead the D-backs to a 2025 World Series. We'll see if that happens, but another check mark as to why Toy Lovello's coming back. The young guys, at least the position players, are playing well under Toy Lovello in the second half of the season. I think another reason why he's coming back is not all the blame as to the struggles of the D-backs this season. It's Toy Lovello's fault. Like, you look at the bullpen, like, I hate the way he manages his bullpen sometimes because I'm like, why are you putting that guy out there? Then I always have to remind myself, like, if Toy Lovello didn't put, you know, whoever out there, Mark Melanson, like, say, who else would have, who else would Toy Lovello have put out there? Like, it's not like the D-backs have a lot of options. If it's not Mark Melanson, there's going to be Ian Candy or there's going to be some other frustrating type pitcher, um, uh, Caleb Smith of some sorts, like, there's not a lot of options for Tori Lavelle in that bullpen. So whenever I see Tori Lavelle managing the bullpen, I'm like, oh my God, you're putting this guy in the game right now. You know he's going to give up an earned run. I feel that with so many of our pitchers, but I'm like, who else is Tori Lavelle going to put in there? Because you can't put Joe Mansply out there for the eighth straight day or Kyle Nelson. We only have like two or three good relievers that we can trust, and a lot of those guys get overworked. So I think another reason why Tori Lavelle is coming back is because you can't put all the blame on him. And the D-backs right now, with the current pace they on, they should finish this season with a better projected record than I think they had coming into the year. Plus, they might have a 20-win swing based off their record from last season. All that bodes well for Toy Lavello. He's come back for another season. So I don't mind Toy Lavello coming back from I don't mind Toy Lavello coming back for 2023. But like I talked about in segment number two, what I need to see from Toy Lavello and this D-Backs you know, organization as a whole is the development of their pitchers. I need to see a greater emphasis and focus on that because that's been the biggest area of struggle they have. I don't like the way Toy Lovello's developed his pitchers so far. When you think of the Robbie Rays, the Taylor Clarks, like I mentioned, Alex Youngs, Kevin Ginkles, like there's been so many pitchers, even guys like Taylor Widener, who I liked when he first came on the scene, what's happened to him. So Toy Lovello and the rest of this organization needs to get the pitching together. We have Brent Strom, so I am confident in him, but if this pitching doesn't ever hit their ceiling from all these minor league pitchers and whoever or whatever old washed up veterans that Mike Hazen continues to sign, the pitching is always going to be the area that gives me the biggest hesitancy, and I hope the D-backs are able to correct it. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more news, coverage, and insight. Should have Lindsey Crosby, not on tomorrow's pod, but on the pod after that to talk about Corbin Carroll and the D-backs prospects and all that. So be on the lookout for that. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen of the day. Sometimes I speak too fast. Make your second list of the day Lockdown MLB with your pal and my pal Sully Baseball. He's a walking baseball encyclopedia. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.